0: Ta lo you're listening to Pacific Ways from RNZ Pacific. O o Susana Coming up. I really feel that
1: I have poison in my blood. I'm afraid for the next generation.
0: Anti-nuclear activists gather in New Zealand's deep south, calling for recognition of intergenerational harm from nuclear testing. Also.
2: Well, with a, with a spelling mistake, I mean, it, you, you could argue that the lawyer should have been a little bit more judicious.
0: Criticism continues to beef up for Fiji's judiciary following lawyers' spelling kerfuffle. Later on,
3: the ponds that have been created to hold the sludge temporarily don't seem to be working the way that they were meant to.
0: Locals in Nauru Tonga Cook Islands raise concerns around the sludge buildup from the new water system. <music> An anti-nuclear activist in Tahiti Nui is renewing calls for recognition of the intergenerational harm inflicted by nuclear testing in the Pacific. Advocates and leaders from across the Pacific region are gathering in Otago, New Zealand, for the Nuclear Connections Across Oceania conference. Leukemia survivor and anti-nuclear advocate Hine Ura Cross is there. She told Lydia Lewis about her family's harrowing journey, her family affected by thyroid cancer following French nuclear testing between 1966 and
1: 1996. For me, it's very important to continue the fight, not only in Tahiti, but to a community at the international and uh, also in the Pacific. It's why I am here uh, in New Zealand and I want to meet other people and to see how we can uh, help each other because uh, for Tahiti, it's very difficult to fight uh, against friends, that those don't recognize uh, the effects of the nuclear uh, on our people and on
4: our land. What are the effects on your people and on your land? I know that you have very personal connections regarding this
1: yes and uh i i started the fight in 2018 just it was uh very late i was uh, 30 years old because of my education i ne- never knew that they had 190 screens. i always thought that they had just have five uh nuclear bombs on my land and uh i was so so surprised but what I heard and uh, now to know all about the story, all the sickness. And I realized that it's because of nuclear weapons that all the women in my family that are sick, they have uh, thyroid cancer, breast cancer. And uh, I have leukemia since uh, 2013. And I realized that uh, it was all the consequences of uh, The nuclear bomb test uh, on our land and today I I denounced the the lack of recognition and also the fact that uh, my people, we are condemned to pay uh, every medical bill uh, for uh, every sick people today. Who
4: should pay? Uh,
1: It's France for me. It's the state of France that has to pay. And today the problem is that they they tried us to to forget. They say uh, like he, uh, the the president of France said on our country uh, last year in July that we have to turn the page of uh, the nuclear history. We have to to write a new page uh, of economy about the the, the the context of Indo-Pacific. And I'm like, we can't turn the page of a story that, that is not finished because we are sick and today we, we don't know for how long. There's so many children that uh, are sick that is uh, that are in Paris in hospital because uh, our hospital can't take care of them. So uh, many Tahitian, they have to go to France and they they, uh, they die over there. So for me, we can't turn a page uh, that uh, offers history that is not end. I want to condemn France. They did some... Uh, Some change, they made a law, but it's not enough. And it's very, very complicated uh, for uh, us to build a case. It's like we have to prove that we are sick because of that but uh, we don't know uh, anything uh, about our history because they they keep it and they they don't recognize the the bad effects like they say that we have uh, thyroid cancer because we eat too much fish but we can see that in other uh, countries where they had nuclear bomb they had the same issues like uh, near chernobyl but they don't they are they not surrounded by ocean as us so we we really we are asking for recognition for truth and uh, for help from the international community to condemn and to to force friends to to pay for what they did and to help us
4: was there anything else you would like to add
1: i just for, for me it's a great opportunity that you give me to talk about that because Many people, they, they, they don't know about our history. And because we're still a, a colony of France, France, they don't talk about that in front of people. So it's important for a Tahitian to, to speak and to denounce that. So all the community, they will know that uh, not we're not okay we're sick and we don't know for how long and we won't answer and we also want uh help because knowing that we we have sick children for many generations is terrible it's like we're condemned i really feel that i have like poison in my blood and uh, i i'm afraid for the next generation
0: The Fiji judiciary continues to receive criticism over its judgment handed to high profile lawyer Richard Naidu for contempt of court charges. Mr. Naidu, a long time critic of Fiji's government, has been convicted by the Suba High Court for pointing out a spelling error in a court decision on Facebook. This followed a complaint by Attorney General Ayas Saeed Kayyum. University of Waikato International Law Professor Alexander Gillespie says the ruling against Mr. Naidu was out of proportion. Our reporter Rachel Nath caught up with Professor Gillespie.
2: The idea that you, that a member of the legal profession does not bring the judiciary into disrepute is long-standing. The, and you see this in a number of countries, and it's one of the normal obligations with being a lawyer. The problem you have is that it has to be exercised reasonably, because if it's not exercised reasonably, then if it... Becomes too heavy-handed, like what's happened here, the judiciary brings itself into disrepute.
4: Right. Um. So, so understanding what you're saying, is is it okay then for lawyers to bring this kind of action to to, to the well, public's well, attention?
2: As in a spelling mistake? Yes. Well, well, with a, with a spelling mistake, the, the I mean, it, you, you could argue that the lawyer. Should have been a little bit more judicious and perhaps talked to them directly himself, and then they could have amended the mistake without it being public but aside that it should have been it should not have been dealt with in such a heavy handed way where someone has effectively been censured to such a high degree because normally when someone is brings the judiciary into disrepute. It's for or the, the legal profession and to disrepute. It's for a very significant type of event. And you could imagine like a, a lawyer directly challenging a judge or being vulgar in court or speaking in a very angry type of way. Something like this is minor and it has created a disproportionate response to the lawyer.
1: Mm.
4: Yes. Now that's interesting. Now, in terms of that and and what that—not just the lawyer's case, but going forward from here—now that there's a case like this in Fiji's, um, um, you know, courts, this sets a precedence.
2: That's right. What, in, in, in many ways, what you've got to be looking for here is not the case itself, but the context that it's being applied within, because Fiji is one country among many where you're seeing a lot of pressure put upon those who express dissent and sometimes even if there is a legal foothold for applying this pressure it can become disproportionate and sometimes you will find the laws would be abused to make sure that those who are critical are kept silent
4: Yes, and I think that's one thing that's really important. What does this mean for the people of Fiji now? I mean, the whole premise of a de- democracy is for you to be able to, you know, question the uh, forearms of the government. This, where does this put Fijians now in terms of being able to express their freedom of speech?
2: It's different from the Fijian citizens having concerns, legitimate concerns, and expressing themselves with their freedom of speech and through a freedom of the press. But that's a different responsibility for a lawyer who often has a code of conduct that they have to perform with regards to the legal system and respect to the judiciary. What what it means is that lawyers would become much more scared of speaking out or doing anything which could potentially aggravate the authorities. But for the citizens themselves, their rights should still continue. But the context of Fiji, like many other countries, is that to speak out against the authorities is often quite dangerous in certain times. And so you have human rights concerns, and it is fair comment to say that a number of commentators, NGOs, and indeed some governments are watching countries like Fiji with how they respond to this type of system, and that they, they have a... The judiciary has a right to protect itself, but the attorney general should not be someone who is pushing disproportionate charges against lawyers because it ends up that action in itself will do more disrepute to the judiciary and the legal system of Fiji than what the lawyer himself did.
4: Oh, that's very interesting. That is true. So it becomes um, a matter of the international community also looking into the Fiji legal system and the views that is being established right now based on this based on this
2: particular case. That, that's right. I'm, I mean, mm. it's common to have rules that say no member of the legal profession should bring the judiciary into disrepute. But the way that these are administered are, are normally quite liberal. And so when mm. someone is sanctioned for bringing the judiciary into disrepute. It's normally for quite a heavy type of thing. It certainly wouldn't be for bringing to someone's attention a spelling mistake.
4: Absolutely. Um, You know, on that note, I'd just like to talk about a comment that was made now from the um, Amnesty Pacific. Again, like you say, the international community is looking back into Fiji right now and they have strong comments and strong views of what's happening. So yesterday we spoke to... um, a representative from Amnesty Pacific who who labelled this you know this law that that um, Richard Naidu was charged under as a very archaic common law that used to be practiced in the UK and is not practiced. Um, it was removed solely because it was um, you know it it did not meet the standards for human rights. Uh, on on the freedom of speech. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Is that is that correct or do you still feel that lawyers are held to a different account of, uh, you know, code of conduct?
2: Uh, I, I think lawyers, it's common for, even though the specific laws that are being mentioned have sometimes been removed, the general principle remains that, that lawyers have different expectations with how they interact with the judiciary. And that's important because it, it helps bolster its credibility and its reasonableness but if these rules in themselves, because the public needs to know that the the judicial system is independent and it has integrity and part of that means that those who are in the system have to be responsible towards it but even though you've got these rules you can't use these rules to apply a disproportionate penalty which is what's happened here
0: Concerns continue to be raised in the Cook Islands about the sludge leftover from Rarotonga's new water reticulation system. The 65 million US dollar Temato Vai scheme has been on stream now for 17 months, but the operator Tortato Vai still needs to find some final resting place for the sludge that builds up in the system's intake tanks high in the hills of Rarotonga. The environmental group Te Wai Ora Maori, or TVOM, is concerned that sludge is now leaching into the island's freshwater streams. Tortato which is seeking an agreement for permanent disposal, has told RNZ Pacific it has no comments on the issues raised by TVOM. Andy Kirkwood of TVOM told Don Wiseman what they found.
3: What we found when we went up mid-year this year, and this is keeping in mind that we've had very, very low rainfall, is that the ponds that have been created hold the sludge temporarily, don't seem to be working the way that they were meant to. They're not being able to dry, and as a result, the sludge is actually going into the stream.
5: The original plan was that the sludge would be removed from the ponds and taken to some as-yet-undisclosed destination
3: that's correct. Uh, Particularly the the landowners um, who still sort of hold title for the area where these facilities have been built were very clear that they didn't want the material dumped on their land. And in response to that, yeah, the the commitment was made to only hold it temporarily in these ponds, let it dry, and then take it round. yes, as you said, somewhere to the other side of the island in many cases. Instead, what seems to have happened is there's been platforms cleared as well at these sites. So areas of the stream bank have been cut into. The sludge has been taken out of the ponds and piled on these platforms as a, an additional short-term storage strategy but that was a surprise to us as well it wasn't again the method of operation that was described back in 2021
5: now the company operating the water system it needs to get a final approval about what to do with all this material
3: yes the, the permit that was granted November last year was based on this approach to operating the system so short term storage and then the removal of the sludge and this is an opportunity for that original permit to be reconsidered. And what Te Waewara Māori is, is asking for our environment service to do is to, to put the operation under a, a increased scrutiny. Rather than simply renew this permit, what needs to be considered is how the plants are being operated and where there's a need to task our water authority with modification to the infrastructure or to a different way of operating the system so as not to impact upon the environment.
5: The critical thing, I guess, with this sludge is that it has a chemical in it that's used to take the debris out of the water at the, at the intake point uh, and it settles on the, the bottom of the intake tank. As long as it stays in that sort of situation or is carted away somewhere, it's uh, relatively inert and harmless. But as long as that problem is not sorted out, it poses a threat.
3: Yes, the chemical that's been added tends to be concentrated, as, you, as you've said, in the solid material. And when no solid material is introduced to the environment, there's very little risk. But as soon as we have solid sludge going into the stream itself, that's where the environment is most sensitive to these types of changes. So chemical change, but also just increase in sediment. And there was also some uncertainty regarding the composition of the sludge. It turns out that not only the main chemical but some leftovers from manufacturing are accumulating in the sludge. And the impact of that byproduct of a manufacturing process is uncertain. We just actually don't know what happens when there are elev- elevated levels of sulphate in the stream.
5: So your organisation, you want what to happen when this goes to the Environment Authority?
3: Firstly, there needs to be acknowledgement by our water authority that there are issues to be addressed. As long as operation continues without public awareness of what's happening at the at the intakes, then we're unable to work collectively to identify potential solutions. There's no monitoring in place and there's a lot of uncertainty regarding the best way forward. So first off, we, we really need our Environment Service to get information from our Water Authority directly. Our understanding is that's what our Environment Service is resourced to do, to do investigation, to support with monitoring and reporting and to ensure that there are these protections to keep our stream flowing and free from pollution.
5: And one of the big issues at, right at the moment has been a lack of rain and things have nothing's been flowing very much.
3: This was a surprise to us. We anticipated that the biggest problems, if there were any, would occur if we had torrential rain, when there would be flooding and, and obviously if you've got flooding there might be more water going into these ponds. Instead we've had very, very little rain and that's why we look at the pond function and say, well, how can they be full of water? When there's been no rain, all of this water is coming out of operating the system. So it's entirely on the shoulders of uh, Te Tata Vai to manage that process. But yeah, we were we were quite surprised that drought conditions were going to put pressure on the ongoing maintenance and management of the system.
0: That's Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Of de Le Lover Manuel